do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you heard our kids. They, they knew about the golden rule. I'm sure a lot of you have heard it before. And that's the, the scripture that we're talking about today. We're in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And this Sermon on the Mount series, is I've been trying to, to really delve into the teachings of Jesus and how this is a sermon about discipleship. This is a sermon on how to be a Jesus follower and and he is circling a few major themes. And in, in this passage, he, he sort of sums up his moral teaching, you might say, in this idea of doing unto others as you would have them do to you. We've been calling this basic idea the, a principle of reciprocity throughout this entire thing. I, I've talked about how that Jesus is sort of offering two paths here, a path of discipleship, and, and really, really saying the path of not being his disciple, but showing how to be his disciple. And part of that is this idea of reciprocity. And, and so we talked about last week, for example, that we do not judge and, and that we are judged as we judge others. And there's also this idea that we forgive or we are forgiven as we forgive. There seems to be this link Jesus is making between what happens with us and what we do with other people. And how we treat other people is how we are treated. And, and this is this kind of basic moral underlying teaching that Jesus makes. That we should treat others as, as we want to be treated. So if we desire forgiveness, we should forgive. If we desire to not be judged, we should not judge. But that's central to his teaching. Well, it's not just Jesus' teaching. The basic idea of this principle of reciprocity, or what we call the golden rule, is actually something that is found in most world wisdom traditions. Here's a few examples of the golden rule in different religious things. It's sort of a basic teaching of mankind. I'm sure that a number of you told your kids things like this at some point. Well, put yourself in their shoes. How would you want to be treated? This basic idea that that what we give is, is what we get, or we should give what we would hope to get. I mean, even the Beatles have it in one of their songs. And in the end, the love that you take is equal to the love you make. And I don't even remember which one of them sang that line. So it's a basic idea, this principle of reciprocity, this idea that we should treat others as we would want to be treated. It's, it's kind of a moral table stakes for humans on how to treat one another. And sometimes I think that that, that can make us think, well, okay, we've got this kind of common morality, but, but what is it about what Jesus is saying that is of any uniqueness of this? And that's why we didn't simply focus on that one verse, but, but the preceding verses as well, where Jesus is talking about this idea of seeking and finding, knocking and be given into God's goodness and the good gifts that he gives. Because for Jesus, this sort of 
how you treat others is treated. That's a good sort of moral underline, but there's, there's more to this story. Jesus sort of envisions in his teaching, you might call a three, three different things, a give and take between God and us and our neighbor that really is the relationship at the core of all of Jesus' teaching. If you want to know the key, really, in many ways, to Jesus' teaching on things, it's this. The nature of our relationship between us and God, us and our neighbor, and between all people and God. It's, it's his, well, it's really, in many ways, the key to Jesus' teachings. It, it, it's the central idea of what he is teaching. That we need to find how to be in right relationship with God and with our neighbors and, and how God undergirds all of that. He says this much in Matthew, a little later in the scripture, when he, he talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is summarizing commandments given in Leviticus and Deuteronomy on, on that. So he's building off of Jewish wisdom tradition. But those three parts, God, others, us, are the three parts of that teaching. You can find it really undergirding almost all of Jesus' teaching. Think about his first sermons that he preaches in the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, excuse me, in Mark. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe, the kingdom of God is at hand. This relationship with God, this change in God, the kingdom of God that is at hand, changes us and changes how we deal with other people. To, to repent means to change. And so he's asking that basic idea, because of who God is and what God is doing, we need to, to live differently in a different relation with one another. It's not enough just to kind of be in existence with one another, that, that we have to live in a certain way, a certain concern, a certain care, a certain love, a certain desire to love as God loves this world, that, that all parts of that triangle are important for Christ's disciples. In his final speech to his disciples as recorded in the Gospel of John, he talks fairly explicitly about this. These are excerpts from 13 and 14 chapters uh, in that book. This is his famous speech where he talks about uh, that there are many rooms in his father's house and uh, he talks a lot about what, what to expect and also how to live without him. And he's, he gives them a new commandment and he says, love one another as I have loved you. So that love that flowed from God to us shouldn't stop with us, but should also flow to others. In German, there's a word that I heard sometime preaching that I liked, and I think that I'm right in the translation. It's Lebensraum, it's a life river. And some people use that almost to talk about like the Holy Spirit, this this life-giving river that flows through us and uh, from God to us and through us to others. This last weekend, I, this last week, excuse me, we spent some time outside. We were 
outside a lot, and it was beautiful weather. Sometimes I would walk outside and I would go, this is the best possible weather. Blue skies in its low 70s, just wonderful to sit and uh, wonderful to walk or hike. It was great weather. But the one thing about great weather for me is that I am very sun sensitive and I forget about the sun and those kinds of things. So we're outside last week and, and I find myself when we're coming back to the hotel actually dehydrated because I had forgotten basically how hot it really still was. And I'll tell you what, when, when I'm dehydrated, I'm not a real nice guy. I sort of like, ah, oh, I got a headache and I'm very kind of focused on that and, and I'm just like, I need, I need to drink a Coke and water. I just kind of go crazy and all these things that I think that I need. But it's just not the greatest. But then, you know, after I kind of rehydrate and all those kinds of things, come back to who I am. You know, sometimes I think when we're trying to live a life of doing unto others as we do to them, that we can get a bit dehydrated. When you're constantly there for other people and, and help other people or or to do what to them as you would want it, and they're not necessarily giving you back what, what you were getting them. It's not like everyone that we, that we help turns around and helps us. It's, while there is some sense of often when you give to people, you will also receive, there's often when you don't receive. I'm sure we can all think of times in your life where it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of benefit to doing unto others as you would have them do to you. And so we get sort of dried out on the life of God, dehydrated in the spirit. And so that's what I love about this, that it isn't just about the other person. We're not expecting the payback to be from other people, that this is about a relationship between God and us and others. The Holy Spirit, the, the power of God, the, the thing that transforms us is, is this grace of God, is this love of God. So Jesus is saying, love one another as I have loved you. Because you know of that sacrificial love, that love that goes to someone who does not deserve it, which is every one of us in this room who is still loved by Jesus Christ, still loved by God, because we know of that in our hearts, then, then that is the kind of love that we share. And then he, can, he goes on and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, it's not simply this idea that, that we love Jesus and Jesus loves us, and that's fine. It, it, it's also about what being in love with Jesus means, that, that that means that we do what he is asking us to do. And one of the things he's asking us to do is love our neighbors as ourselves. And, and, and so that's part of what it is to, to have that relationship with God is to also have that relationship with other people. And I'll tell you, that's not easy. 
I mean, it would be a lot easier if our relationship with God was only between us and J.C. But Jesus is talking about that loving him means keeping his commandments, means a kind of relationship with other people, means having a life that isn't just kind of separate from others, but, but a life that is mixed up in things, a life where you do things that are not reciprocal. Sorts of things. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to adjust this. Jesus is calling us to. Finally, he talks in this uh, that this comes not just from him, but from God. That all of this is made possible because of God's relationship, God's love for us. Through God's love, we are transformed. Through God's love, we see a world and know that God is working in places that we can't understand, in people in ways we can't understand. That God's love isn't something that we alone possess, but that God's love is something that is spilled out, the kingdom of God, as we call it, on all creation. And so God's love is in relationship with all of us, and that we are kind of made into this, this circle, this flow of God's love. So Jesus' central teaching in many ways is this idea that because of God's love, because of who God is, that he is the good father, that he is the one who sacrifices himself for us, that he is the one who lavishes love upon us, though we do not deserve it, that he is all of those things, and because of that, that changes us, and it changes others, and it changes how we are together. And that to be his disciple is to sort of get caught up in that change. It's not easy to do. When I was in seminary, and my, before my wife and I were married, we went country western dancing in now, you should know that I was a bit more country in those days, and uh, so we went country western dancing. My wife is from Germany, uh, so she didn't know how to country western dance. I knew some things, but I'm also just not a real big dancer in a lot of ways, and so I wasn't particularly skilled in anything. But we went to go country western dancing, and uh, uh, in this huge place in Atlanta. I don't even remember. It was the biggest place I've ever been for this. But because we're who we are, we're going to take some lessons. We thought we're going to, we're going to do this right. So we were really good at line dancing. Because line dancing, you're working with other people, but you're just kind of doing your thing, right? You're just following directions. My wife and I can follow directions, you know, that kind of thing. But then we got to two-step I'll tell you, we weren't very good. I would see these couples two-stepping, twirling, 
And they seemed to be so in sync with one another. It was beautiful to watch that kind of give and take, the energy flowing and all that. But, but my wife and I, we, we did not look like that. <laughs> and the main reason we didn't look at that is we both like to be in control. So I would be sitting there going, Sonia, you have to let me lead. This is the whole thing. You know, I'm going to lead. You got it. And she'd be like, I would let you lead if you led right. And, you know, it's just all of this back and forth. Who's running the show? Who's in control? Short-circuiting whatever energy there was or should have been in the dance. You know, I often think that that's really at the heart of a lot of where we struggle spiritually. Is that kind of need to be in control of this whole thing? What Jesus is inviting us into, a relationship of surrender, that's very different than what we often strive for. And yet, who can deny that of the two, you would rather be dancing well. My younger son, who some of you all know, I mean, my older son, uh, likes to, to DJ and all these kinds of things. He, uh, he also likes to dance as one would dance at a club type of thing. And he told me the other day, when I dance, everything just disappears. being caught up in something like that. Jesus does sort of give some moral teaching here, some guidance. But more than anything, it's an invitation. An invitation to surrender. An invitation to invitation to to dance. To let our lives be led by the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit.